Well, this is the weekend that we celebrate freedom, and that just to me is an absolutely massive concept, and I'm grateful for the freedoms that we enjoy here in the United States, and I know that, that you are too, and that we're grateful together for all who have worked so hard over the years, and for those that are continuing to work hard to ensure our freedoms here, including the precious freedom that you and I have as followers of Jesus to gather together just like this right here, right now. To continue to worship him, right? The one that, that has freed us from sin and death. Listen, I am thankful for freedom. And as we celebrate that freedom, I, I want to encourage you this morning to engage your mind a little bit. If you're at home, if you're in your car, if you're out on a walk with your family, wherever you're watching or listening this morning, I want you to engage your mind and think back to a time where you sort of tangibly felt or tasted that sense or that notion of freedom. And let me give you some examples, right? When, when students finish the last day of school before summer and they walk out of school, hands raised, excited, maybe not this past year, but normal years when they get out of school, they just feel this sense of freedom, right? No more, no more tests, no more papers, no more grades. Teachers, I think, maybe sometimes feel the same way, right? Summer brings this sense of freedom. I used to feel that looking forward to the days of summer. If it's been too long for you since you've been in school, maybe think back to a moment where you've done something at work, a massive project, you've spent a ton of time on it, you've worked nights, you've worked weekends, you've really worked hard to get a project totally completed and totally done and the deal goes through or whatever you were working towards is finally achieved and that weight is off your shoulders. What do you feel? Feel a sense of relief, the sense of freedom, right? The thing that was bearing down on you isn't bearing down anymore. Maybe you've felt that, that sense when it comes to debt. You've had school debt or medical debt or car debt or something else, and, and all of a sudden, it's paid off, and you're done, right? You feel the sense of freedom. We can all think of moments like that in our life. For me, when I think back to that tangible time that I first felt that, that sense of freedom in my life, I, I think back to when I was 16 years old. And what happens when you turn 16 years old? You can get your, you can say it at home, that's fine. You can get your driver's license, right? You get your driver's license and you've got this brand new freedom to explore the world without having to have somebody driving you around. And I was so looking forward to that when I turned 16. If you're younger than 16 now and you're looking forward to that time in your life, it's because you long for that sense of freedom. So I got my driver's license and the, the first weekend that I had it when I was going to go and hang out and do things with my friends, I had a conversation, a very intentional one, with my parents, my mom and my dad, to say, okay, when do I need to be home? What is this going to look like? Because this freedom for me is a very new thing in our family. And you know what my parents said when I said, what time do I need to be home? And they looked at me as a 16-year-old, and they said, whatever time you think is best. 
Seriously, right? They said, whatever time you think is best, do the right thing. We trust your judgment. Just go and, and do your thing. We know that you're going to make the right decisions. And how do you think that went? For a 16-year-old with his first taste of freedom being told, hey, you know what? Just go and do whatever you want. If you're thinking not well, you're right. It, it didn't go too terribly well. I got home later that evening or I guess, honestly, uh, late the next morning, around 4 o'clock in the morning, I roll into my house. My dad is sitting in the living room on the couch, and we had the conversation that you would expect a father and son to have in that moment at 4 in the morning. It was a great conversation. I'm sure it was very calm and very steady. But you know what that conversation resulted in for me? A curfew. A curfew. I had freedom. I was given to it. I was trusted with this freedom, and I absolutely blew it. I didn't use the freedom that I had for good. I wasn't careful with it. I didn't pay attention to it. I guess you could say, looking back at that moment in my life, was that I had freedom, and I wasted it. And here's my point for us, for me and for you, for, for believers in Jesus and for those who live in the United States. We have this unbelievable amount of freedom. And as followers of Jesus, we have this miraculous, eternal freedom that goes far deeper than anything this world could ever possibly hope to give us. So the question this morning is this, is what are you doing with the freedom that you've been given? Think about that. Answer this question. Are you using your freedom well? Other areas of our life we want to take inventory of, right? When it comes to our time, we want to make sure we use our time well so we, so we get calendars and, and we just check up on ourselves. When it comes to our money, we create budgets. We want to make sure that, that we're using our money well and we're getting a good return on the investments that we put out there. When it comes to our influence, we want to steward that well. What I'm asking us to consider this morning as we turn to God's word is this, is let's make sure that we're using the freedom that we've been given in a way that is honoring to God. And his word speaks very clearly about that. If you've got a Bible, open up with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. And, and, and when I'm at home and I'm watching a sermon online, it just helps me to stay mentally engaged to have my Bible out so I can take notes and read before and after and all along in there. So I want to encourage you, open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 16. And God's word says this, live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover for evil, living as servants of God. Verse 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Look back at the beginning of verse 16. Live as people who are free. And I don't know about you, but that really, really connects with me. Because I think that we all have this longing inside of us, this desire for freedom, to, to do what God has placed deep down in our hearts to be able to do. And so my goal this morning is for us to seek to understand this verse so that we can live out this verse in our lives. And for us to better understand it, we need to know that these verses are coming in the section of a letter that's teaching believers, that's people that have trusted in Jesus. So if that's you, it's teaching us, right, how to live in a world that's simply not focused on spiritual or on eternal things. 
And I think that you and I should be able to relate with the original recipients of this letter because I would say that we probably too live in a world that's simply not focused on spiritual or eternal things. And the temptation for people 2,000 years ago is very similar to the temptation of people today. And that's to simply live in a way that's consistent with the world. right? To ignore the truth of God and, and to float over here going the direction that the world would have us go. But we've got to remember that that is not the way of Jesus. Jesus has called us out. Jesus has set us apart. Jesus has called us to be holy and to live in a way that points other people to the hope that we have in him. In fact, that's what the first chapter of 1 Peter is all about. It's pointing us to, to this hope and living in the world in a way that points people to Jesus so that they can experience that same hope. And so that's the context that this is in, living in the world with hope and with holiness that we find these encouraging, these challenging, and honestly to me, these exciting verses right here. And there's one more thing that I want to make sure we bring into view contextually as we're considering these passages. And, and that's the reality of the world that we live in right here today as well. Because we've got to read God's word and get the truth of it and then live it in the world that God has us living in right here right now as well. And as we bring this into view, I'm just going to admit that I take what I'm about to say for granted quite often. And I'm sure that, that I'm not the only one. But I want to point out that everything that God tells us to do right here in 1 Peter chapter 2 and in every other place in the Bible, we're, we're able to do. Okay, We have the freedom and the ability to do what God's called us to do in the country that we live in. But that's not the case for every country around the world. I, I just want to let you know that there are 52 countries in the world where it's illegal or you'll be prosecuted or persecuted at a high level if you own a Bible. Do you know that? In the year 2020, there's places in the world, 52 countries, right? Not, not little things, 52 countries where it's illegal, right, to have a copy of the Word of God. We can't take this for granted. Right now, we're gathering, right, all over the city, maybe all over the state. I don't know if there's people out of the state watching as well, but, but we're gathering freely to worship Jesus, and soon these rooms and our churches will be filled again where people can freely worship Jesus. But did you know that one, listen to this, one out of every nine believers, Christians, followers of Jesus in the world lives in a country or area where Christianity is illegal, where Christianity is forbidden, where you will be punished for publicly gathering to worship Christ. Listen, there's people all over the world in certain parts of the world that aren't living with the same freedom that we have to worship Jesus. In fact, last year, 2019, listen, I'm not talking about things that happened a thousand years ago. In 2019, if you look at the 50 most dangerous countries it is to be a Christian, 1,266 churches or church buildings, and that's that we know of, were attacked or destroyed because people aren't free to worship Jesus where they were. In those same countries, 4,136 believers, followers of Christ, lost their lives simply because they were followers of Jesus. In 2019, that's 11 people per day. 
Listen, I, I am thankful for our freedom to worship as we choose. I am thankful for our freedom to obey the Word of God. I'm thankful for the sacrifices of so many who have fought to preserve the freedoms that we have in the United States, specifically the freedom that we have to worship God. My question for us this morning is this, as same as I started, I'm going to continue this question throughout, is what are we doing with the freedom that God's given us? Are we being good stewards of it? Are we living in a way that's going to honor Jesus? One more time, look at the verse, Second, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover for evil, but living as servants of God. Listen, our first point this morning, if you're taking notes, if you like to do that, filling it in as we go, is simply this. It's live free. And to me, that is an exciting command from Scripture because it's reminding me as a believer and you as a believer that we are free in Jesus, right? We have been absolutely and completely set free. From what? I'm glad you asked. Listen, we're free from so many things. We're free from the burdens of the law, from living in a way where we have to earn our way to God through this perfect obedience. Listen, our confidence isn't in what we can do. Our confidence is in what Jesus has done. Right? And we're also free from guilt that comes with sin. The Bible teaches that when we trust in Jesus, he removes that sin from us. Right? It, it's gone. The old is gone. The new has come. That's in 2 Corinthians. He's forgiven us. We don't carry that sin or guilt around anymore. The Bible teaches that we're free. And if we continue with that thought a little bit further, we're not just free from, from the guilt that comes with sin. We're free from the power over sin, of, the power of sin in our lives. And Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we see it's for freedom that he set us free. We're not bound again to a yoke of sin. As we are in a relationship with Jesus, we're free and sin cannot control us any longer. So if you've been walking around, if you've been struggling by the weight of sin, if there's been something going on in your heart or life that, that you just feel is too overwhelming for you or you can't seem to get free from, let me encourage you with this verse right here and say, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has set you free from that. You don't need to struggle against that with your power. The power of the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And as you turn to Jesus and seek to walk with him, it's his power that gives you ultimate freedom over that sin in your life. So we have been set free. That verse says to live as people who are free. And, and the question is, what does that look like? Let's keep reading and we'll see. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but instead living as servants of God. So we're free, and, and the purpose of our freedom is not to run from God. The purpose of our freedom is to run where? The purpose of our freedom is to run to God. So this verse says, live free and serve God. If you're taking notes, that's our second point this morning. It's very simple. It's serve God, right? Live free and serve God. We're called to use the freedom that we have in Jesus to live in a way that serves him. Verse 16, when you think about it like that, is so incredibly clear. Live free from sin and serve God. God. And as we continue down to verse 17, I love it. It puts traction to what that should look like for me and for you in the world that we live in. Verse 17 says this, honor God. Sorry, let me start over. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. As we look at that, 
right? As we live free and serve God, this verse makes it so incredibly clear that the way that you and I treat other people is a major part of how we serve God. And I love the way that it's written. It's so clear that there are no mistakes. There's four action points for me and for you to live daily as we seek to serve God. And the first is this. Write this down. It's honor everyone. We are called to honor everyone. If we're living with the freedom that we have in Jesus, that's what we're going to do. It's it's very, very clear. We're going to be courteous. We're going to be respectful. We're going to have good conduct towards others. We're going to treat people well. And listen, that's people that we get along with and people that we don't get along with. That's people who treat us well back and people who don't treat us well back. Listen, I'm shocked at how people are talking to one another these days. I'm shocked at how people are typing to one another these days. Listen, God's word is so clear for the believers that we are called to honor everyone. There's not one person that we will ever meet that is below us treating them with honor. Because each one of us is made in the image of God. Let me just say that as a follower of Jesus, you should turn heads with how well you treat people, right? People should be shocked, blown away with our treatment of others. So honor everyone. That boss that's unfair or that treats you terribly, listen, honor. Honor that boss. That neighbor that has no consideration for you or for your family, honor that neighbor. That person that votes in a way that that you just can't seem to understand how or why they vote the way that they do, honor That person, the waiter that messes up your order at a restaurant, no matter how hard they try, listen, honor that person. The person that's not very nice on social media, and let me just say, don't be that person, but the person that isn't very nice on social media, listen, honor that person. Here's a good exercise for us. Think back to this past week for you. Think to where you went. Think to the people that you interacted with. Think to the things that that you typed online, the interactions that you had in person or virtual on Zoom or social media, however you interacted with people. Did you honor everyone? Or is there some room to grow in that area? Listen, if, if we are living free and using that freedom to serve God, which is what the text tells us to do. Part of serving God is honoring everyone. So if we're using the freedom that God has given us appropriately, if we're a good steward of it, we're going to honor everyone. This isn't, this isn't for other people. This is for us. This is for believers. Right? Followers of Jesus should look different than the world. And, and, and if we just are honest right now and we look around, there's a lot of anger. There, there's a lot of disrespect There are a lot of conversations happening out there right now that are not honoring one person to another. Can I just encourage us as followers of Jesus, as a church family, to bring grace to the world, to bring grace to the conversations that we step into by simply doing what God's called us to do and by honoring everyone, right? There's no qualifier here. If you're free in Jesus... And if you're using that freedom for what God intended us to use it for, if we're serving God, we're going to have a reputation as individuals that treat others well. And I feel silly for even having to say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it to make sure we're all on the same page. That includes in-person and online as well. 
honor everyone. And as we continue in verse 17, we see the next thing. We've got honor everyone, and then we step up a level to the next thing. It's love the brotherhood. And if you're taking notes and writing these things down, make sure you specifically write down the brotherhood because we're stepping up. And right here in the text, it shows us that we have a higher obligation to one another. That's me to you and us to each other as a church family. And I love it. The word used for brotherhood here is adelphotes. And it means brother. It means kinsman. It means community or community of love. That The notion here is very, very unique. Careful steps were pointed out by Peter as he wrote this to show us that we're united, that we are in fact a family and we've got to treat each other as so, right? No other place outside of 1 Peter is that word used. It's used once here in chapter 2. It's used one more time in chapter 5. And that is it because he's really trying to emphasize the way that we are called to love one another as Christians. We're told to treat each other here like a family. And the way that we serve one another, the way that we talk to one another, everything should reflect that. Our, our sacrifice, our support, all of it just like a family, I mean, think about the things that you would do for your family that you wouldn't do for anyone else. You could probably list a couple of things. I'm sure that I can as well, right? We would just treat our families different than anyone and everyone else. This text right here is telling us to, as believers to treat the body of Christ in that same way to treat one another as an actual family. And let me just step back and say, way to go, church. Right? Way to go, church family. Because I read this, I thought of example after example after example of our church family living this out right here. Loving one another well and treating one another like family. I, I can give you examples of people that, that have given kidneys to other people in their life group classes. I can give examples of church members hearing about a job loss and stepping up to meet huge financial needs in the lives of others. I can give you examples of church members loving one another like family that they are risking getting the coronavirus to go into houses and to take care of church members and others who are sick in our midst because they're loving one another like family. I heard of someone in our church that, that was sick this week and reached out to try to help them, to try to take them things. And you know what they said? The church family had already rallied around them to meet their needs because they were loved like a family. An absolutely amazing picture. So church, great job, but don't stop. Let's keep going. Let's continue to grow in that area because that's how we see we can honor God with the freedom that he has given us. And he gives us another one. We, we've got honor everyone. We've got love the brotherhood. And now we've got fear God. It's, it's this sort of stair-stepped approach where, where it's getting higher and higher in our obligation. As, as Peter works through this, it says fear God, right? God is unlike any other, and we should treat him unlike any other. In fact, the Bible is full for, from the very beginning of commands for me and for you to honor and to fear God. And as I read fear God, I've thought many times over the years, okay, what, what exactly does that look like? I want to make sure that I'm doing what God's called me to do. How, how is it that I can fear God? What does that look like? So let me help you understand that. One of the verses that's really helped me with that over the years is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. And they say this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. With reverence and all. 
Fear is not being scared. Fear is approaching God with proper reverence and awe. It's viewing his greatness, his majesty, his glory, his bigness, the fact that he is over all, through all, above all, creator of all, and trusting him in that as the absolute creator of the universe. Here's another passage of scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 10, that says this, what does the Lord ask of you? To fear God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve him with all your heart and your soul. And and that command right there was given to a people who were set free, stepping out of Egypt as slaves into the promised land. As Christians, followers of Jesus, we've been given freedom. We're not not robots walking around. The the Holy Spirit is inside of us, and we have the ability through the Holy Spirit, the power of God, to to understand truth and to understand the truth of God's Word and to live our lives based on that truth. So let me encourage you as we look to this text to see how we should use our freedom, how we should live now that we have been freed from sin and set free in this world. God's Word tells us that we should fear Him, that we should look to Him with reverence, and with awe, and as we do that, it's going to lead us into this place of obedience and a life before him. So let me just encourage you to slow down. Right? Don't live your life so fast that, that you rarely think about God. Live slow and intentional, thinking about God with reverence and awe. And as we do that, that's going to shape and change everything about the way that we live. And Peter keeps going. If you look at this, we've got what? We've got honor everyone. We've got love the brotherhood. Right? So he starts low. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. He steps up. Fear God. He steps up again. And then after that, he steps back down to where he started. And he says, honor the emperor. Now, we don't have emperors. So our fourth action step today is simply this. It's honor our leaders, right? And if, if it's funny, if we understand the context here, right? It's bold, actually. It's bold and funny. We've got this ladder climbing, right? We've got honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God. And then he steps back down to the bottom rung and he puts the emperor, the leader, on the same level as everyone else, on the same level as all people. And there's two things for us to notice is to understand why he does this. And the first is this, in the time that he lived, emperor worship was a thing, right? People would hold up the emperor as divine and say that the emperor himself was God. And Peter is very clearly saying to them back then and to you and to me today that our worship is reserved for God and God alone, that no person, no man, no created thing could ever take the place of or be worthy of the same reverence, fear, all respect, and worship as our God. So he was putting the emperor in his proper place in the line of things. So for me and you, as we read this, if we're worshiping emperors, I'm a little confused by that, but if we're worshiping leaders or political parties or anything or anyone else, we are not using our freedom to live in a way that God's called us to live. But we also see this, honor and with respect. And when we do, listen, when we do, people see our hearts and they see our attitudes and they see something different and they're pointed to Jesus. But when we don't, 
when we show dishonor or disrespect, guess what? We look just like everyone else. And that does not honor God. And that's not using the freedom that God has given us the way that he's called us to use it. And at the end of the day, it doesn't point anyone else into a saving relationship with Christ. Listen, we agree on this, right? We we know and understand our allegiance isn't to political parties. It's not to leaders. Our allegiance as followers of Jesus is is to Jesus. But we can't miss the fact that as people who are called to follow Jesus, the way that we treat others is a direct reflection of our relationship with him. Right? Look back at verse 17. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor our leaders. It's a powerful text, right? And a great reminder for what you and I are called to do with our freedoms. We're called to live free and serve God. And we serve God by the way that we treat other people. Listen, thinking back to when I was 16 years old, when I got that car, when I had that first taste of freedom, I I learned a very painful lesson. I had been given freedom, and I had this opportunity to use it in a way that was good or to use it in a way that was bad. And I guess that you could say back then that, that I blew it. But my prayer for us as believers in Jesus, as a church family, is that we get it right, that we use the freedom that God has given us as Christians to live in a way that serves God, not not in a way that makes it about us or our priorities or our comfort, but that we chase after God, running to Him. Again, I hope and pray that we would be people that use the freedom that He's given us as followers of Christ to run towards Him and not away from him to ensure that our lives in all things are marked as a people that would serve him. So I'll ask the question one more time before we pray. So what are you doing with the freedom that God has given you? We live in a place where we are free to do all that God has called us to do. We are free to love him. We are free to make disciples. We are free to serve him. We are free to share the gospel with the world, right? What are you doing with that freedom? And what are you doing with your freedom as a believer? Freedom from sin, freedom from shame, freedom from guilt and bondage, called by God to live in a way that serves him. What are you doing with your freedom? Would you bow your heads with me? So we take a moment to pray, and, and I know this feels different sitting at home in the living room than it does in the church, but, but before we move on to our next thing, I just always think that it's good to, to, to pause and to take a moment to think about the words that we've heard, to think about what God's Word is saying specifically to us this morning and how we can respond in obedience. So, so don't move too fast through this moment. Right? Try to block out anything that, that might be distracting you, and and just think about what God's Word has to say. I'm going to ask you to consider three things. The very first words of verse 16 are live free. Live free. Some of us this morning that are watching might not have ever tasted the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus. We know what it means to be free from school. We know what it means to be free from work or free from other things, but you might be sitting there this morning thinking, you know what, I'm, 
I'm not free from guilt or free from shame. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to trust in Jesus, to turn to him, to, to ask him to forgive you of your sins and to step into a relationship with him as your Lord and as your Savior. And if you're ready to trust Jesus this morning, we've got a number on your screen right there. Just text your name to it. And somebody will call you, reach out to you, and, and open up God's word with you and show you what it means to be free in Jesus. And for those of us that, that have that freedom, I, I just want to encourage us this morning to consider what it looks like for us to live free, to move past the sin, the shame, and the guilt, and to begin to live as servants of God in all things, right? Using the freedom that he's given us, being good stewards of it, not wasting it like I did as a 16-year-old, but using every opportunity we have as a people who are free in Jesus to live in a way that honors him. Ask him this morning to help you live in a way that serves him. God, that's our hope and that's our prayer. God, we're thankful for the freedom that comes only in you. God, we, we are so grateful for that freedom. And Father, this morning I pray that, that each and every one of us, God, would look at your word and that we would live as a people who are free. God, that we would use the freedom that you have given us, not to run from you and into sin, God, but to run towards you and to live in a way that, that would serve you and that would bring honor to you. And God, we know that such a huge part of that is the way that we treat and interact with one another. So God, I pray that, that we would honor the people that we meet and that we would be known as a church family who honors and respects those in our community. God, I pray that we would love the brotherhood, that we would love one another well as a church family, that we take care of one another just like we take care of our own families. And Father, I pray that as we seek to fear you and love you and honor you, God, Lord, that we would pray for our leaders and that we would treat them with honor and respect, God, as a reflection of our love relationship with you. Jesus, we're thankful for your word. And God, I pray, I pray that our lives would be marked by an obedience to what you call us to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Again, I want to thank you so much for taking time to join us on a Sunday morning from your living room or again from wherever it is you are. We've got something new that's rolled out this week. Uh, so with us not being in the room right now, we, we can't pass out a worship folder, or you might call it a bulletin that has announcements and information and different things that are going on. And so we've now got an online solution to that. You can find information at championforce.org weekly. You'll see the whole church there. But if you click North Klein up at the top, you'll see what's going on right here at our local body, our local campus as well, championforest.org slash weekly. And I want to encourage you to tune in next Sunday as we start a three-week series called We Are Family. So if you're a part of the North Klein family, I want to encourage you to make sure you are here for that online. I want to encourage you to invite other people to be a part of that. And if there's people out there that you have hoped or wished would be a part of our online family for quite some time, I want to encourage you to invite them to join us next Sunday morning as we kick off a series called We Are Family and look at what life should look like for you and I as part of a church family. Again, we're so thankful that you joined us today. We pray that, that you would have a great week. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.